Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to another great episode of the Bluegrass Soccercast, your home for all things soccer, right here in the beautiful Commonwealth of Kentucky. I'm, of course, Mr. Jimmy. That's Mr. John. And John, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing good, Jimmy. How are you? I'm doing good, doing good. John, tonight we have a very uh, great show uh, for you all tonight, especially for Racing Louisville fans, because not only will we have Coach Bev on here in just a couple of moments, uh, but we will also be going through a full season preview of what Racing Louisville fans can expect. Um, And then we also will have uh, a little bit of some breaking news um, that we were, John and I were talking about pre-show that we will tack on after our conversation about Racing Louisville. But John... With all of that out of the way, Coach Bev, if you are there, yes, you are there, you are. Here we go. How's it going, Coach? Hi, guys. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Good. Yeah, I'm Thank you guys here. for having me. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Super excited to chat with you guys. Yeah. How's um, How's it been settling into uh, your new role? Yeah, it's been really good. It's been really good. Um, I think it's been obviously uh, very incredible for me to have had the experiences I did last season with the group in the sense of the relationships I've been able to um, build. Uh, obviously, some new faces this season as well. Um, and I think several new that, faces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think it's just it's just a really good group. Um, culturally, they've been fantastic. Um, want and willing. Uh, to do whatever they can um, kind of early on to process, obviously, my expectations, both kind of in and out of possession. Um, and, yeah, it's just been a, a really good start. Um, obviously, how I am leaking in the information um, and how to make it as digestible as quickly as possible. So to make this preseason as smooth as possible um, has been obviously a a big piece of it all. But the group's just been fantastic. Um, I said it earlier today um, and I couldn't describe it more thoroughly in the sense that they're just eager to learn. Um, And I as a coach and as a staff, as a technical staff, it's very fun. Um, when that's the uh, mentality of the players. Um, And so for us, it's just been continuing to push them to understand the concepts as quickly as possible, but also invest in how their learning capabilities are um, early on in these early stages. Yeah, and how has that been going, you know, as a new coach with, like we've mentioned, several new additions, some subtractions from last year's team. What has that been like for you installing that new culture? Yeah, I think it's been great. Um, And I think for us, it's just been, um, again, simplifying um, how we're breaking it down, right? Um, And simplifying, again, what those expectations are and what the style of play is. And then obviously, having the opportunity to bring on the staff that I have, right? Um, Now with two assistant coaches, and obviously goalkeeper coach Sergio returning. um, It's been very smooth in the sense of, um, you know, they obviously see the game very similarly to how I see the game. Um, They see it very similarly into how I'd like to teach it. Obviously, they have a slightly different approach because we're different people. Um, But my point is, is it's just a lot of support uh, in the sense of what we can provide to the environment and to the players. That's, you know, made uh, major upgrade. Sorry, my cat is... <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, John is working on his uh, side right now. <laughs> Coach, talk to us about your vision for Racing Global heading into the 2024 season. Absolutely. I think, um, obviously, we have high hopes with what we'd like to accomplish. Um, and I think for us, it's continuing to trend in, in the right direction. It's continuing to see the growth throughout the season um, of what we would like to look like. Um, and I think for us, it's just continuing to push in all of those facets and ensure that, um, you know, this industry can be very much so have its highs and lows just very naturally. Um, and I think for us, it's establishing ourselves very early on Um with what we want to look like on the pitch and obviously, you know, those tendencies and, and what we're teaching kind of Monday through Friday um, in preparation for, for those weekend matches. And I think it's the investment overall from all of us um, and what we're putting into it to be able to stay focused and trust the process throughout the season and really show what we're capable of. 
how does the uh, preseason tournament that you guys are going down to Columbia? Are you already in Columbia? Yeah. No, no, we're not there yet. We leave Friday. <clears throat> okay. How does that tournament go towards preparing you all, especially playing, um, you know, a, a Colombian team and then possibly another NWSL team? Yeah, and I think for us, it's just early on, right, where we've kind of put games in. Um, obviously, at Tucson, we had the opportunity to play Houston, um, and we've had some preseason matches here with the with the Boys Academy. And I think for us, it's just mm, having the communication cool. as a technical staff to um, ensure that we're getting the minutes in, how we're getting the minutes in, how many minutes we're getting in, um, just to get to that game fitness stage. Um, and then, obviously, as you get closer to season, it's prepping prepping for the fact that we will be obviously begin playing um, NWSL competition here soon. So I think for us, it's a great opportunity to go play different competition um, and obviously see a familiar face from Gotham um, and just kind of see where we're at, see where um, obviously live in match, uh, where we're at with the concepts that we've been working on, um, again, both in and out of possession. So I think it's a fantastic opportunity for us to see exactly uh, where we are in this time frame of preseason with still a few weeks left to, to check a few more boxes with what we want to leak in, um, but also have an opportunity to sharpen kind of what we've been working on. Absolutely. So we've talked several times now about all of these roster changes and stuff like that. Who are you most excited about from the new signings? You know, is it the Turner who you all drafted number one with the overall pick or who has gotten you the most excited so far uh, in the preseason? Yeah, and I think for us, it's just it's different types of excitement, right? Um, so you bring in players with league experience into the squad, um, which has been fantastic. Um, you bring in new players that um, have yet to play in the league that have been drafted. Um, you're just bringing in such a, a different various types of players of where they're at in their career. Um, and what they've bought to what they've brought to the group has been fantastic. And I, I said this earlier um, yesterday is everybody's in different phases of their career right now, but everybody's learning a new style. Um, uh, with myself in place and my technical staff and what we're trying to implement, um, everybody's learning it together at the same time. Um, so I think it's allowed for the environment to for the players to embrace each other. Um, and really uh, look to help each other as much as possible and support each other in understanding kind of what we are looking for, right? Um, and so I think the excitement level comes in just different facets of those players, like the young ones that are coming in and how quickly they're processing the information and how great they've been in those moments um, has really stood out. And then your NWSO uh, players that have had league experience come in and you see how quickly they process what we're looking for and what they've brought to um, kind of the everyday trainings. And I think for us, it's just been, everybody's been exciting in their own ways um, and has really made us look at the roster and go, we're very excited for what the roster looks like. Um, how does that building of the roster um uh, this is kind of a fan question that I got from some people. <laughs> how does that building of the roster kind of go towards capitalizing on how Austin Racing uh, ended a match in a draw last year? Um, like kind of converting those games to wins. Yeah. And I think for us, obviously, um, you know, I was very specific on, you know, what I'm looking for for the group from a style perspective. And I think it's finding players that you believe will fit that. Um, and on top of that, players that you really believe will contribute to the culture in the locker room. I said it a lot last year that I really, really felt the group was just so special. Um, and I knew that obviously bringing new faces into the group. Uh, what they can contribute on the field is, is of course, important, but obviously what they can contribute off as well inside the locker room is incredibly important. And I think um, that the new faces that have come in so far have really contributed in both spaces. And so for us, um, continuing to keep that culture on a high, if you will, um, as we navigate our way through preseason and, and want to get started off on the right foot um, come the start of the season, I think it just alludes to obviously what we would like to look like um this season yeah and i think the start of the season is really interesting because of so many 
international uh, players that are on the roster for uh, for Racing Louisville, right? Mm-hmm. That seems to be a cornerstone of the culture that you all are building to get players who have that international experience or are on international rosters to get more experience, right? So how as a coach do you navigate having so many players on uh, different international teams, as well as keeping players who are not on those international teams engaged while your other players are away. Yeah, and I think that's honestly the beauty of the game is that players come from different experiences throughout their entire career, right? Um, different types of coaches throughout their youth career, um, different type of coaches throughout their collegiate career. Um, and you're bringing them all in one place, and then you're teaching them your specific style. Right. Um, And so for me, it's just really important that you have the right players and the players that, of course, you're interested in from what the expectations are positionally. Right. Um, But it's also, again, I go back to who they are as people, Um, because if they're coachable and they want to learn um, on top of their experiences already, it makes the transition just a little bit smoother. And so I think for us, it's just obviously now being in a position where you have different types of experiences, you have international experiences, you have youth players, you have the, you know, eight year veterans, you have, you know, the four year um, veterans in the league, you have players that have played every minute in the league last year returning, right? It's just for me, the excitement level from what the mix looks like um, is so different, but also so similar in their mentality of wanting to understand everything as quick as possible. And so I think you just talk about different playing experiences and you talk about, you know, I've already had a few players say, Oh, you know, I had a coach play very similarly to this. You have a little tweaks in the way that you play and and your style, but I'm kind of used to this. I'm like, great. You know, whereas some players are like, this is pretty new to me. Um, but really excited. And that's where it's really important that you have a good vibe in the group. Um, Because if you have that right vibe and that positive environment, um, the learning just kind of trickles throughout one another. And the conversation is about how do we understand this a little bit more? How do we be the best that we can be at this? And so I think we're in a, we're in a good place there um, here starting off as we have. How does uh, your experience as a player lend to that? Like, getting players to kind of buy in even with stuff they've had an experience before. How does like your time as a player really connect in as being a coach? Yeah. Um, I think obviously the biggest uh, turning point for me and actually when I wanted to become a coach was at 24 years old, I went to Japan um, and played for Inat Kobe wow. at the time. Um, yes. And during that time at, at 24, I had played two years in the WPS um, the former league, obviously, before the NWSL. Um, and went there, was competing in the training, and I remember going home my first session and saying, wow, I just don't understand why they're so advanced. I felt so far behind technically and tactically. And I kept telling my husband, I don't understand why I feel so far behind. I played collegiate soccer in the U.S. I played two years professionally. Like, why do I feel this is so challenging and so difficult for me? Um, and that's really where it first started. I reminded myself, like, how many people feel the way that I feel? Like, I feel I haven't developed in so many areas of my game um, at this age. And that's really where I started getting my coaching licenses um, and playing at the same time. Uh, I definitely felt like it made me a better player because what I was learning through the coaching lens and what I needed to implement into my game were working kind of hand in hand during that time. Um but I definitely think it's influenced who I am. That particular experience and that style of soccer it was immensely impactful. I came back to the NWSL and what I believe is a completely different player than what I left as. Um, and so it's highly influential in the way that I coach um, in, in kind of every everything that I do. But I also would say that there's something to be said about the opportunity to have sat in their seat before that I don't take for granted. Um there's a way to teach the game. And obviously as a young head coach and, and, and a first time head coach that I have such an emphasis on the simplicity of teaching um, that I think the balance is incredibly important. Um, what's over coaching and what's under coaching and how do I navigate my way right in between that um, to make it as digestible as possible um, to give them opportunities to master certain aspects that I'm asking for. 
Um, and so I, I definitely think knowing that and knowing what my capacity was as a player sat in meetings or what my capacity was as a player being taught a certain style um, and how easy it is to quickly check out. Um, I think for me, it's a huge emphasis of, of who I am, the way that I would like to lead is to bring simplicity to it, but to not allow the detail to slip. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, <that's> a- <laughs> for the audio listeners, the ones who are not watching, I literally opened my mouth to ask a question and I started coughing. My apologies. That's um, okay. So coach, I kind of want to pull back to what you're talking about your experience in Japan here. Uh, because I think there's something that can really be learned by a lot of soccer players uh, right now. So were you kind of experiencing a little bit like imposter syndrome? Like you mentioned you didn't feel like you were where you needed to be. Was it that or was it something else when you were there? Yeah, no, I think for me it was more of um, why am I only understanding the game with the ball at my feet? And that that was the first light bulb for me that was like, I'm really not understanding the spacing here. I'm not seeing the spacing here. I'm not understanding my distances. I'm not understanding, uh, essentially, just to be totally transparent, I'm not understanding the game without the ball at my feet. But if you mm, actually look, analyze... the chess pieces moving? Yes, correct. So if you actually analyze the sport itself and the game itself, is a majority of the time, most of the time, <laughs> is spent without the ball at your feet. And so if you don't yeah. understand what you're doing, Without it, it makes it very difficult to know what to do with it. And so I think for me, that was the biggest piece where I'm like, this is this is why I'm meant to coach. And I knew at that point, like, I'm meant for this. I just need to to take my time and, and, and to work my way into when this becomes a thing and I'm done playing. I want the opportunity to teach players to understand everything you do without it sets yourself up for with it and the importance of that. How much do you think that kind of mental shift you had to change was caused by how uh, the soccer uh, developmental system in America mentality might have to change? That's a good question. Yeah, and I think for me, and sorry, you hear my little one at the door, so I apologize. You're you're fine. Um, She's very (laughs) upset that I'm in here. Um, So she's knocking on the door excessively. So I apologize if you guys can hear that on your end. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I grew up, I, it's, it's a really interesting, I grew up playing all the time. So I actually met my husband when I was 14 years old in high school and he was playing on the boys high school soccer team. I was playing on the girls high school soccer team and oh, I was training. That's amazing. And I was training with the boys. So I would do obviously all the trainings with the girls and play the weekend with the girls. But once or twice a week, I train with the boys. And then on top of that, our dates at the time, right, consisted of playing pickup soccer. So he brought four boys. I brought four girls. We mixed teams and we put shoes up as goals. And we would play until oh, the wow. lights came on. You know, my mom's calling myself on like, it's time to come home. The street lights are on. I'm like, yep, you're right. Okay. Um, but my point is, is that we, I grew up on the ball all the time. And then at that time, I was also watching Eric Cantona's Joga TV, right? And any of the skills challenges that I would pick up from there, I'd actually challenge my boyfriend at the time, husband now, and say, I bet I can learn this skill quicker than you. And it was like an ongoing thing. We'd just spend hours out on the pitch trying to master the skill, if you will, right? And so I just grew up like that and just on the ball a ton. um, And it was like a part of me and who I was. And so I think even having that and then getting into more of a team setting as I obviously got older and, and, and then obviously processing the college uh, soccer scene, um, I felt like it was definitely taught and definitely broken down in specific spaces, but it was the first time in Japan that I felt like I had experienced the training being so challenging and right. the spacing being so challenging that the weekend and the games felt so big and felt like I had so much space and made my decisions feel like they were so much easier because Monday through Friday was so hard. I mean, you could quote my husband and I'm totally fine and transparent to to say this. Like I was coming home crying like every other day, like my brain just hurts. Like I actually yeah. didn't think that trainings could be this hard from a thought process standpoint. But then the games felt quote unquote easier with my understanding and more free. Um, And so for me, it's just now, that's a huge influence of how I coach, of how do I create a little bit of like, it's so much thought, right? Is it one touch and then two touch? Is it a first time finish? Is it a one touch? 
I want to create so many scenarios that feel so challenging that in the game, they feel prepared with those quote unquote tools. And they're just choosing what tools they're using in that moment, dependent on the scenario. Yeah, and I think that that really sets you up to see things more clearly and to see yeah. those different lanes opening up and so forth. Yeah. Um, Coach, as we pivot to talking about the upcoming season here, what are some key milestones or achievements that you're looking to have for racing this year? Yeah, and I think for us, obviously, you know, we we want to put on ourselves in a position to make playoffs and we want to continue to push. And I think for me, the biggest thing is that we have to continue to see growth um, and we have to continue to push for that. And so, um, again, you're asking a team to adapt to the style as quickly as possible, right? Um, you get a six week preseason and then season starts. And so how do you consistently push even early on with this is going to be an ever-evolving process, but you want it to continue trending in the right direction. Um, and you want to continue to have that buy-in and, and, and be a part of that process. And so I think for us, it's like we want to play a style that we're proud of, um, you know, and I think it's a, it's going to be a, a big season and, and what our expectations are and what our hopes are. And I think we're just incredibly excited to get this kicked off. Yeah, we really are. Um kind of pivoting a little bit away from necessarily racing uh very recently uh the uh u.s soccer granted d1 sanctioning to uh the super league the usl super league um which puts a now another top tier professional women's team just an hour down the road in lexington for how how do you feel in terms of this for the growth of the game uh, on the women's side and also like how do you f see that in your sense is technically it's a rival league technically technically uh to the nwso yeah um so i am so sorry my girl is being so loud i hope you guys are okay on that end because i know this is live <laughs> hey coach it's Sorry. life it's literally what we have to do with hear it. grandma talking to her telling her you gotta calm down but she is very upset right now um so i apologize and it's also her bedtime on top of that everybody um um, but yeah, I think I'm learning more about the league as it's coming into flourishing. So there's not much I can say about it at the moment. Um, I just feel like there's not a lot of information about it quite yet. And I feel like it'll be something that I can obviously elaborate more on once I know more about, if you will. I'm sorry. So loud. Are you sure you guys can't hear her? We can hear kind of here. But it's, it's okay. You're a mom. <laughs> Right. This that is was... what life is like, folks. This is what uh, an NWSL <laughs> coach goes through. Like getting the live view of it. <laughs> heavily, you know, racing heavily emphasizes that you're a mom. Those videos yeah. of your uh, photo shoot for your yeah. coaching with your little daughter were so precious. It's like it's all good. Thank you. I really appreciate. It. They're a huge part of it all, and you know, there's something to just be said about you know, obviously having two girls and and spending the time that. When I was obviously younger and, and the visibility was very rare, right, to be able to watch games live, let alone watch on TV, this type of thing. But now to have two girls that you get to see the environment pretty consistently is something that I'm just very grateful for, for sure. Well, I wasn't going to bring up this question, but if you're going to open the door, I will. Uh, so yeah. what does it mean to you as a mother, as a woman, to be the head coach of a professional team in America and setting the future for not only your kids, but generations to come. What does that mean? Yeah. It's it's an honor. It's an honor. I'm absolutely honored to be in such a position. And I hope that the only reason why I ever wanted to become a professional soccer player was because I saw the 1999 Women's World Cup live in Pasadena. Oh, uh, that's so awesome. Day, right? And you see it once. And I'm big on, if you see it, you can be it. And it's just the visibility piece for me. So it's an absolute honor to be in this position, to have two young children, to show that moms can coach. You can do both. You can be a very good mom and you can be a good coach. And so for me, it's just, it's just an honor. And I hope to represent as best as possible being in this role and having this privilege and this honor. Um, I just hope to be a good representation of it all. 
and so far you're a, very much a great one from what I've seen and all the stuff that racing has put out. Um, to kind of end, so you can go back to being a mom. <laughs> I think she's kicking now, so I apologize. Oh. You're all good. Um, this is another fan question, kind of lighthearted to end it. Um, what are some of your favorite uh, places or little uh, uh, kind of hole-in-the-wall places that you've, uh, you have found in Louisville? Oh, my gosh. I just love them all, don't I? Uh, <clears throat> love- also, don't forget who your sponsors are. Uh, I want to point that out there. We had another coach who was like, oh, I love this coffee shop, when knowing that their club has a full-time coffee sponsor. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> Um, I would say um, I'm, I'll go food right away. But Jade Palace, we live close to this Chinese restaurant that I think is unbelievable. Um, and I would also say um, Hammerheads. Um, it was one that I used okay. to come to town and visit um, my uh, boyfriend, now husband, when he was at U of L playing. Um, and we would always go to Hammerheads. And I just think it's so it's so good. Such a fun little environment and a really good food. Absolutely. Well, Coach, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, For everybody out there, make sure that you get your tickets for Racing Louisville um, and make sure that you go out and support uh, Coach Bev and the girls, all right? Thank you guys so much. Thanks for having me. No No problem. problem. Thank you for being on. Take care, you guys. Have a good evening. You too. too. Thank you. Wow. That was a good one, John. Another good one. It was. I I never... I never understand parents that like <laughs> want to apologize for being a parent. A parent, right? Like it's just part of life. Like, kid, especially little kids, like they're never gonna behave. Like right when you want when you're wanting them to be quiet, it's never gonna be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think you just have to accept that. Yeah, uh, said. Um, said very well john but i I do want to kind of react to some of the things that coach said there one of the things was one of the last few things that she mentioned there and i think it ties in nicely into her philosophy so she said if you can see it you can do it and i think that pulls directly back into the coaching philosophy and what she was talking about what she learned while she was in japan if you can see things in training if you can work hard in training to see the future and to see where everything is going and see those moving pieces I think you're going to have a great chance at being successful. And if that's what's happening with racing this year, I'm even more excited. I think to the point, it kind of speaks and she really didn't touch on it. She more touched on like her personal upbringing, but I think it speaks overall to kind of the semi issue that exists in the U S system. Cause we hear stories all the time from both the men's side and the women's side when they go overseas to these other countries of just like how different the training is, the training environments are. We're seeing that across all sports right now, but especially in soccer, like it's literally right now on the men's side, it's if you want to be a top national team talent, don't play in America. Right. You can't play in the MLS. You have to be at your peak, or in your prime at least, playing in Europe type thing. And I think part of that is the American system is too focused on games. It's too... um, And I can't fully speak on the uh, youth scene. I just see what I see, where they're playing like multiple games every weekend. And they're only practicing two or three times a week where it should be more practices than games because it should be this thing where you're able to go into a game like Coach Bev said, and it just opens up to you type deal and not just, all right, let's just keep playing games. That's how you're going to get on this system under your belt is just constantly playing competition, competition, where training, I think, is what we need to get more focused on. Yeah, and I think, you know, Michael uh, Swerkos from BGFC, he kind of talked a little bit about that. But, you know, if you're looking at a super-packed schedule of a lot of travel, um, going to different games and stuff like that, it can be very challenging to find time for those challenging training sessions, right? Um, And so I think, you know, for youth coaches, it's very important to set that standard early that training is like your games, right? 
and to get that mentality going. Um, and I think Coach Bev and the and the rest of the coaching staff are really focusing on that. And she has a stack coaching staff. I'm forgetting her coach's name, but she has the um, uh, the coach that led T. Grace to the Liam Equis Feminal title. Now, gosh, I'm forgetting her name. They just announced her, uh, but some other stuff. They just signed uh, Lauren Millet. I believe that's how you say her name to yep. an extension through 2026. Um, uh, they just signed their first round pick. Their first. Oh, overall pick in the draft that they had to her contract. They're very much have built a solid roster, which people can look more into through your little preview you just released. Absolutely. Um, if you didn't see it, yes, John is correct. We did have released our full season preview of racing Louisville and we'll break that down in just a second. Um, the coach that you're referring to from Liga in uh, was, Moscato, M O S C A T O. I wanted to give her props, and I'm sorry for butchering your name, Coach. I can't. Some some Hispanic names. I'm sorry. I don't even. I can't try. I'm gonna I will it. always give it a, a good college try. <laughs> it's not going to come out well, but I will give it a try. But John, with all of that, let's kind of dive into you know our season preview. And we've talked a little bit before about the draft and stuff like that in our previous episodes. So make sure you go back and listen to um, our reactions to the draft and some of the additions that we've had. But I want to start this conversation of previewing the season with Coach Bev. Coming back from the team last year, she was on the coaching staff under Coach Kim. But as a former NWSL player, now a coach... I really think that her ideals and her philosophy are really going to be helpful in helping this team become more competitive in the NWSL. Now, they're starting at a great spot, right? Finishing not far out of the playoffs from last year, making the Challenge Cup run. But, John, kind of from your perspective so far, what has appointing Coach Bev meant to racing? I think putting... I think um, promoting Coach Bev from an assistant role shows at least the front office wise to the players, shows the players from the front office perspective. From the players' perspective, the front office believes in them, a majority of them at least. You know, they the the expansion draft kind of messed up the whole thing, I would say. Um, I definitely feel there would be players back that would, if there was no expansion draft, yeah, but like page, pay, yeah, page, um, Femi, yeah, probably was already walk, walking, um, but I think it gives those players a sense of like we believe in you, we believe that this is just a, a regime thing, and specifically we believe in you so much that we're bringing in somebody who from all accounts I've heard of the returners, they loved, they all loved that Coach Beth got promoted. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like they kept around Coach, uh, someone under Coach Kim was like, all right, Kim's just not cutting it, but let's keep the same system and just take his assistant. It was very much like, Bev is very beloved by the players. This is the vibe I'm getting at least. Very beloved by the players. And then knows this team, knows what struggles they've been dealing with, knows all this stuff. It's not someone walking in and having to interview players who may or may not be fully honest in these interviews and all this type of stuff about what struggles they had last year. And there's always like people seeing stuff in hindsight. Like Coach Bell was able to see those issues that racing dealt with last year, the drawing constantly and all that type of stuff with a front row seat. So she very much knows exactly what to address. It's not having to figure out what to address by walking in or what only from what you see from a video. She has the whole spectrum of last year. Yeah. And, you know, with bringing people back, Burgess, Kanu, obviously DeMillo, Davis, and, and several others, right? Like this team does seem to have a good mix of returning talent. Um, with the new folks like um, Millie Clegg, 
uh, Yuka and Linda uh, as good additions to the team that'll spice things up. They're adding skill, add a little bit of flair to the roster. Um, but more importantly, and what I was asking Coach Bev about was um, that attacking prowess and bolstering that international experience, right? So, John, kind of looking at the roster, what do you think has been some of the biggest additions or players that they've kept? Uh, kept, I think, in general, it's all it's majority of of who you just listed. Uh, specifically in your article, it's Demello, Irsig, Lund, Millet, and Pickett. Mm-hmm. Um, Pickett didn't play as big for role last year because he was hurt for most of the time. Demello. Mm-hmm. Um, had international duty for the first time in her career. And, and then, still continuing. Yeah. And then overall, I think London Millet both are great. One, great pieces in general. But they're great in general because they are the only inaugural members left uh, from the original racing, 2021 racing Louisville squad. They're the only ones left. And to me, there's a lot to be said both for fans and for players in general of having someone that's been there through all that, through all the ups and downs, through all the stuff who's been there under the scandals and all that type of stuff. Someone who can like truly like give you like, this is what this club is type deal. So Lund and Millet are great and amazing players in their own right. You know, they're all-star level players. But having that like experience of being in Louisville and with racing for so long, I think is far more valuable or just adds even more to their value than just their skills. Yeah, and, and I think you're right there. I think at times last year, you know, with the struggling to break ties so much that they needed some of that influx of talent, right? Um, so I'm really looking to see what DeMillo can do to help lead this team. Because in my opinion, if last season wasn't proof enough, this is her team. Like she is the star of the show. She's going to be the one, uh, con- conducting the orchestra, um, uh, as things go on. John, what do you think her role will be this year? I think the Mellow's role in particular is going to be connecting a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. But in particular, at least on the field, it's going to be running the attack. Because the attack is the one side that I have concerns over right now. And that's just because it's all new. They're all unproven. Kano is like the only attacker really back from last year. or And there is... um. What's her name? Davis. She's back as well. Mm-hmm. Who contributed really well, but that's only two people. It's not, they weren't the spearhead of the attack last year with, there's not Paige and Themby back. So it's, it's being thrust into being the prime people in this case with Kanu and Davis as being like, you're the returners. So at least right now you're prime. And then it's the newbies who are like having to prove themselves. And they got some new guys who can prove it, but the Mellow's role, I feel like, is very much going to be running the offense and connecting the back line to the attack. Yeah, and I think she will literally be, I mean, to take a, a little bit of out-of-soccer context here, it's like she'll be the middle linebacker. You know, she will be the one on the defensive end that will be guiding, you know, the midfield and the defense and, you know, of course, the attackers as well um, to come down. But I think she is the the queen of this team and of this city right now. And I just can't wait to see what she brings out of this team. John, you were talking a little bit about the um, potential lack of attack that racing may have this year. Kind of talk to me about what do you think Turner can do? And do you think addition of like a young talent like that, how much influx can that have on this team? Again, she was the number six overall pick in the NWSL draft. It could have a ton of influx. Like I agree. My, I think she's going to have a huge impact. My biggest issue with attack, and this has been kind of proven throughout men and women's sports, all different leagues, 
is a lot of people go after goal scorers because the point of the game is to score goals and this person obviously can score goals. The question is, can they score in this league? Can they score, especially when they're moving up a lat, a step on the ladder? It is that goal scoring they were doing in in this case in college, is that the cap of your ability? You know, right. Where can is you continue at? that? Is your ceiling like halfway in between? So you're not you're only doing about half of what you could do in college. That's the thing I'm at. I need to see how that translates. It looks, they look like they can translate well. She looked, Taylor looks awesome. But does it actually translate to being, playing professionally, playing against the best in the world? Does it translate? That's my biggest question. Does it translate? And that's kind of the wait and see to tell. Yeah. And I mean, 42 goals in college, 15 assists. That's a lot, but it's not as many as, you know, other like superstar players coming out of college could have had. So it, it's something that is impressive, but it also, there is room to, to still improve and continue to be better. Um, you know, John, another player that I wanted to talk about was Jalen Howell. And I really am interested to see what role she will take uh, this season with Savannah in the midfield and seeing how are they going to continue to work together and build that chemistry uh, moving forward. Do you have any, what are your thoughts on her this year? Say the name again. I meant the name cut. You're good. Uh, Jalen Howell. Captain. Of I the think. Team. Yeah. Yes. I think. I want to see if she remains captain under Bev. I don't mm-hmm. suspect it to change. Um, I'm curious if it doesn't go to the mellow possibly. Um, but I think her role remains the same as it was last year. She is a very good leader overall. And I think her role stays the same. Like it's very, I think if you are the captain of the squad, the assistant coach gets, um, promoted that's very much like bev knows howell's full capabilities and she can hold her to that more than someone coming in a coach coming in could do yeah uh, i think that's exactly right you know i think when you're looking at who's going to get the armband i think it's going to be between the two of them for that role i mean i think carson could get it Uh, i mean i think you could even potentially see katie lund uh, the keeper getting it i think that would be pretty cool um, from time to time, but those are kind of the big four leaders that I see on the team. Uh, Ari Burgess as well. Totally forgot about her. Um, she would definitely be somebody that would be worth it. Kanu occasionally, I think you could just keep passing it around. Um, with their preseason close to being really underway, um, that trip down to Columbia, John, like that is going to be quite the test for them. Um, just the travel alone uh, will be enough of a test. You know, if you look at what Inter Miami was doing with their trip all across the world, yes, it's different, but it is still interesting to get the team together to gel and to build those uh, relationships. That when the season gets longer in the tooth, they are more prepared to fight together. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, it's not one of those trips that rips the team apart. But John, what are you looking forward to the most in this trip to Colombia for them? To me, it's a lot of, um, I want to, one, I don't know much about the Cuban uh, league on the women's side, not Cuban, Colombian. Yeah, it was like Cuban, man. Sorry. See, um, Colombian league on the women's side, they are playing, um, I believe racing is playing my Colombian team of America, de Cali, um, well done. Uh, which on the men's side is about mid-table right now. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see that type of thing. Um, as of right now, I suspect that both Gotham and Racing will win their respective games. And then the final. So. Yes, but I don't know. It's preseason type deal. I, 
I'm not sure if Colombia, because in, in the Americas, it's weird. Some countries follow the traditional European international calendar. Some do not. Some are on the summer calendars. Like there are major, there's a lot of teams in the Americas are on summer calendars as well as there's a lot of teams that are on the European ones. So if they're in their mid-season form, that could be something to look out for. Um, that might change how it goes, but I, I'm still with how race uh, the NWSL being a top three league in the world. Um, I suspect them to win, but it'll be in the final if they play Gotham. That's the big deal because Gotham's the reigning champs and they've yep. really beefed up their team, like insanely yeah. beefed up their squad. So how they do in that match is, I think, what really is what I'm really curious about is if they face Gotham. Yeah, and how do you do you navigate that? Because do you show all your cards or do you treat it like a preseason game? You know, I would imagine they would push for the cup and push for an opportunity to ho- to hoist a trophy, but I think know. I think both squads are going to play at like seventy percent range. Mm-hmm. They're not going to go all out, all in, just because it's it is preseason and. Just like on the men's side, there are preseason tournaments where you get a trophy. And it, right. like literally, if that trophy gets placed in Lynn, right? <laughs> you go 10 years from now and people are like, what's that? They're like, oh, this is a women's cup. All right. How many teams play in that? Four <laughs> over a weekend. Right. Like, you know, it doesn't carry as much weight. There's a lot of preseason tournaments that just get trophies, that just give trophies out. So, it's a big deal, but I wouldn't like hang my hat on it as like, oh, we had this is like a significant piece of silverware. So that's why I see them going in like the sixty to seventy percent range of that where might not be a full starting squad. I might throw in some young people to play the start in the game if it's racing versus Gotham. I suspect more in the semifinals. But it could also they could go 100 trying to win the cup. It's all it's going to be very interesting with the fact that um, the Olympics are coming up and all that type of stuff as yeah. well. And that will also be another pause to their season, right? Or is the NWSL not pause? I can't remember. Now I said that out loud, and I'm like, oh wait, hold on. I don't. I know I'm not sure if the NWSL is pausing this year. Um, that's part of the reason for those that aren't aware that the Super League is doing its strategy is because they want to essentially not be, they don't want to be playing during the middle of a World Cup. Gotcha. Uh, also, sorry for my fist pump there and for the, the listening audience. Robert Taylor from Inter Miami scored. So, one, zero. Let's go, bye, Um. Anyways, back to racing. Uh <laughs> It's opening night. What can what are you, what are you doing? Um, anyways, I agree with you there. I think it, it depends on where they're at in the season. If they kind of shut it they, down or... They are taking a break. Okay. So racing but... will play a game on Sunday, July 7th. And then they won't play again till. Saturday, August 24th. Hmm. Sorry, I'm getting like all kinds of feedback on my end, and I know it's my mic. Um, okay, I think I figured it out. My apologies for the audio listeners. Um, so yeah, with that break, finishing, coming back after that, overall thoughts here, John. I personally, I'm feeling very bold about this team i know that houston got better i know chicago got better we talked about gotham getting better but i think racing louisville should make the playoffs this year they seem to have the talent and they seem to have the coach in place to really help push them towards making the playoffs john how do you think racing will do this year it's so weird when two two expansion teams are coming in so there's been so much player movement. Um, it's hard for me to put a pulse on them. I think 
I do think racing is a top six team right now. Mm-hmm. Um, could I think th- I don't think they cracked the top three, but they are definitely, in my opinion, they're that like four through six, maybe eight conversation. Um, yeah, did they expand the playoffs? Ooh, that is a good question. That's the thing I can't recall because I'm like, they are, to me right now, they are still like they are last year, fringe playoffs team. And that's solely because of the expansions. Mm-hmm. Um, if things kind of had remained where they were, even with losing the pieces they did, I would say they are probably the sixth or fifth team, but it's solely like right now it's the expansion. I can't put really put my f- finger on exactly what they are. Um, I agree with you. I think they eight clubs will call qualify for the 2024 NWSL playoffs. Okay, so yes, they are. In my opinion, they are a playoff team. Yeah, and I for think sure. you're they exactly are in that right. somewhere five to eight range. I'll go under even higher. I think they could get to four, maybe three. I need to but see I the feel rest like... of the league. I need to see how the league shakes out for like a month before I can say that. <laughs> No, I'm John, serious. this is the thorn. This is the thorns. The thorns. How Gotham has upgraded their roster. Casey Current's looking good, even though they're gouging their fans. Um, San Diego Wave. <laughs> like, that's four teams right there. Oh, well, Current here it might be hit or miss. Um, but that's at least three teams. And I would maybe the Courage are up there too, and that type of stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, I I think they they could get up to as high as four, but I think definitely they should be comfortably in the playoffs. Last thing that I want to talk about on racing before we move into our final topic today, um, the fan experience, like racing, this team deserves and they need the support of the Lavender Legion, the Purple Family, whatever section you want to be a part of. Like it's going to be really important this year to get more people to Lynn family to really get that crowd going and to get that place feeling electric, just like we do for Lou City. We got to get out more for racing uh, because I think they have a really exciting product this year. Not that they didn't last year, not saying that at all, um, but I think it's time for racing fans. Let's buckle up, let's put our foot on the pedal, and let's drive all the way in the stands, help drive this team all the way to making a deep playoff run. Did you like my analogy there, John? Yes, I did. But for our last topic today, John, you were telling me about this in the pre-show. There was kind of some late-breaking news this afternoon about the USL and about the Open Cup. Yeah, so at roughly 5 o'clock today, uh, Jeff Ruder uh, the athletic broke that all us all 47 us l teams were going to fully participate in the open cup and that was because there had been rumors flowing around with the supposed partial participation of mls that mls is going to take some sort of revenue cut from all games or that sort um and, and it games that they don't have, have a team been, featured in it let there was a lot, a lot of random flying. It was hard to keep track of what was what, um, in my opinion. Um, but that led to some people reporting a rumor of USLC teams feeling slighted by the, the Fed, and they weren't going to participate because, partially because the Fed was allowing MLS to not participate. I never felt um, there was any credence to those rumors. I feel like those were people interpreting stuff as they wanted not mm-hmm. um not anything that was in my in my view i know I, i'm not the one who had these sources or had been told by someone from a club um but in my view that was more just some people like interpreting things or maybe owners saying stuff um right. but at least at least, especially in League One, um, every team is committed now. All the pro teams and 11 USL2 teams are going to commit and compete in the Cup. Yeah, Coach Powell talked about that. You know, He said that was one of the trophies that they would love to raise this year or any year. 
So I, I think it would be absolutely crazy for any of the champion teams to not participate. I get it. You you want and you need more money, especially at that level. Um, but if MLS does pull out, um, this has been my stance all along. I think we have to keep pushing the lower league teams to get that glory, to win that cup, irregardless of who is the their opponent you know if it's two usl champion teams in the final be the first time it doesn't have an mls team in there in a long time i think that would be great for the sport i think it would be great for the clubs great for the players i just think there are too many positives to it and not enough negatives in my opinion yeah um and there's various different things i went back and forth with someone today about the cup and how it doesn't provide value to the MLS. Yeah, I'm not going to get into that. Um, but in general, uh, I will say the Open Cup has survived many different falls, many different teams coming in and out. It will survive this. Um, it may not be as prestigious as it was, but it will still survive this. The Open Cup will still exist in some fashion. And I will say this to the people... Some people are getting a little mad over the threat of the Concacaf Champions Cup spot being pulled. Um, if MLS doesn't participate, that is kind of an actually like global standard. Um, there is cups in other countries where the top league doesn't participate, and the winners of those cups don't get a spot in the. Uh, continental tournaments so as much as it sucks that that's the only way for the lower league teams to get into the CONCACAF Champions Cup the, the precedent like FIFA's not going to step in and be like no you have to do this because the precedent in the rest of the world is if you're not a the top league is not participating it doesn't matter yeah and I, I need to personally do some more research on that uh, just to kind of see what other countries are doing and stuff like that, just because I'm not as in nearly particular, as familiar with that. The EFL Cup and the Papa John's Cup in England, in particular. The EFL Cup is literally between Championship and, and uh, League Two, like two through four in England. They don't get a berth in, like, not even the Euro- Europa Conference League or any of that sort of sense. It's this, like, no, there's no tournament out there. Where a D one the D the uh, tier one league does not participate, that the winner gets like European competition for winning it. There's no league that exists like that, or tournament that exists like that. Well, and you know, I really am in favor of if the MLS doesn't participate in the Open Cup, let's take that sanctioning away. <laughs> but I think they're they should. Not. Uh, they the won't because it would be devastating. No, they should. They should take the sanctioning away, but they won't. Right. But the thing is, they can't change PLS right now because the NASL lawsuit. Mm-hmm. Which so how long that's going to last? But I think that's what makes this so complicated is because I think the the Fed wants to change PLS. PLS, especially within these last two years with how much the uh, the uh, country has grown, they can't. They are frozen in this because of the lawsuit. Because of how legal things work. That, that If they change it to something that's kind of like proves NASL's point, that's going to get courts to rule in NASL's favor. So they kind of have to make the argument with what they have existing right now. Yeah, and that will be quite interesting to see how how that all shakes out. Uh, John, any final thoughts on anything we've talked about, sir? Uh, Not currently. Sounds good. We hope everybody really enjoyed the show tonight. Uh, We appreciate having Coach Bev on the show. Um, We appreciate all the great conversation and uh, my phone is still blowing up with different comments and stuff like that. So look forward to reading those after the show. Um, if you enjoyed the show, I have a QR code right over my shoulder. We'll also put it down in the center of the screen as well for a biased coffee account. We always appreciate any and all donations to that. 
we also have several different social media sites. You know, we've got our uh, our website, which is a great place to go and get all of our articles. But we also have uh, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. All of those handles are at BG Soccer Cast. Um, oh, I just got a bad internet connection, so hopefully this is going through. Um, this is a bad dismount. Uh, where was I at? Um, social media. I completely lost my train of thought. You know where to find us. Uh, make sure you're checking us out on all the podcasting platforms. Uh, iHeartRadio, um, Spotify, and Apple. Thank you all so much for listening. We will see you on the next one.